Hi, I'm Ross Parsley. I'm so glad to have you here with us at One Chapel for Easter Sunday. What an incredible opportunity we have to celebrate the victory of resurrection life with Jesus together as one body. One Chapel is a church in Austin, Texas that helps people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You can learn more about the things God is doing here at onechapel.com. I hope you enjoy this week's message. So when I say Easter, what's the first image that pops into your mind? Is it, uh, is it a picture of kids wearing their pastel suits and dresses? They're hunting around in lush green grass looking for Easter eggs. Is this your, maybe it's your favorite candy. I don't know, like uh, Reese's peanut butter eggs. Anybody like those? Yeah, those are good. Uh, Cadbury cream eggs, you like those? Yeah, those are gross. Um, <laughs> chocolate bunnies. I like the chocolate bunnies Easter time. I like to bite the ears off. It's really gross. Uh, tell me it's not Peeps. Just please, it's not Peeps, is it? It's not, no, no, no. Peeps are bad. Seriously, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why anybody likes Peeps. I mean, somebody took marshmallow cream, they rolled it in sugar, and they slapped eyeballs on it. Like, why would you do that? Actually, I've heard that Peeps are outlawed in three different states. I'm just saying. When I say Easter, maybe what you think of is a family. Family looking all adorable, you know, and all their... Perfectly matched outfits. <laughs> you tried today, but you didn't quite make it. <laughs> or, uh, or maybe instead it's that time that you tried to get the perfect picture with the Easter bunny. You know, and it, and it actually, though, it went very, very wrong. <laughs> no, just very wrong in all kinds of ways on pretty much every level. So these are some of the cultural representations of what Easter means to us. Of course, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, well, there are deeper and more significant images when it comes to what we commonly call the gospel story. Think about Christmas, for instance. So Christmas is all about the image of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Or think about Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the story of the followers of Jesus waving palm branches and laying them down on his feet and proclaiming that he is the king. And then, of course, at Easter, where we are today, there are several images. You might think of a pure, white, spotless lamb. It's an image that represents the sacrifice of Jesus. So we all, we deserved death because of our sin. But Jesus, he was innocent. He was blameless. And he took our place. You think of the cross. The cross was the instrument that the Romans, they they designed to punish criminals with a very public and very shameful death. But Jesus, he came and he redeemed that image. And now, well, it's a symbol of hope and life. It's on church steeples and outside of movie theaters and hospitals and necklaces all around the world today. And then, of course, there's the tomb. It's an interesting image, isn't it? It kind of fascinates me. Because when most people think of a graveyard, they think about loss and death. We think about the final resting place of our loved ones. And so it's amazing to me that a tomb, a graveyard from 2,000 years ago, has now become the image that we associate with light and life and the resurrection of Jesus. There's pictures, pictures of empty tombs and on invitation cards and on church screens all over America today. When we think of the Easter story, these are some of the powerful images that might come to your mind. But to really put the gospel story into our context here, maybe the first image that we can all identify with, maybe it's simpler than any of those. 
What if I told you that one key to really understanding the gospel story, it's not just the cross, it's not just the lamb or just the tomb, but actually, it's a table. In 2019, the table might actually be where we need to start. You see, a table, it's, a, it's an image of, of unity and connection, isn't it? It's the place where families gather together for meals and meaningful conversation. The table is the place where business leaders get together and they decide the fate of companies. It's the place where creatives get together and they dream up TV shows and film and tech innovations and ideas that are going to change the world. And in the gospel story, the table, well, it's the centerpiece of the Last Supper. Now, the Last Supper, this is a moment that's crawling with all kinds of different characters and personalities. Now, the most famous representation of this, you've probably seen it, is the Leonardo da Vinci painting. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Looks like that. It's the painting of Jesus and his disciples. And when you look at it, I think these are characters that we can identify with. And actually, in a lot of ways, I kind of think we see ourselves in them. In fact, the Last Supper, it's such an iconic image that if you Google it, in pop culture, you're going to get some unbelievable results. Like, there's a, there's a Star Wars Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody ready for December? Anybody? anybody? Yep, all the nerds said yes. That's me too, I'm one of you. Uh, Luke, right there in his proper place, I think. There's, a, there's an Avengers Last Supper. And that got the rest of the nerds. Okay, good. So, <laughs> me too. That's Friday, everybody. I'm, I'm ready. I'm not sure Tony Stark should be sitting there, but whatever. I, I actually think it should be Captain America, but you can discuss. We're going to have a fight right here. Um, there's even a cereal mascots Last Supper. Like all, like all the guys that you grew up with, and you actually recognize some of those people. And, of course, 17 million people watched last weekend. I'm sure that some of you will recognize this one. It is the Game of Thrones Last Supper. It just so happens that I was one of the four people that didn't watch the premiere last weekend. But I find it fascinating that you, you, kinda, you don't see this kind of cultural imagination with any other Easter image, do you? Like the tomb or the cross or the people with palm branches or the road to Calvary. Like, those are things, they're almost overwhelming to us at first. And even maybe a little hard for us to relate to. But most people will say, now a table, a table I can understand. Maybe today in our day, a table is the best place to start. After all, if I was going to give you one word to describe the world that we all live in, it certainly would not be unity. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, the New York Times, they released a shocking statistic that said we are more divided now, we are more divided as a country than we've been since the Civil War. Like, it's rough out there, and you already know it. So today, things are either black or they're white. Things in our culture are Republican or Democrat. Things in our day are the red state or the blue state. The haves and the have-nots. The believers and the atheists. Like, I could go on and on and on. You know I could, but I don't want to. Because each one of these images, it kind of carries a painful prick that goes down into our soul. Now, in our culture, we're more, we're, we're, we're more uh, defined by what we're against instead of what we're for. And so the idea of a table like this, the idea of a table that everybody gets invited to, 
It's somewhat unimaginable for us. But I think it's important for us to realize today, it's always been unimaginable. Like people from, from, from opposite ends of any social or economic or political spectrum, all sitting to, down together to share a table, that's always been a challenge. But Jesus' mission was to obliterate the idea of who belonged and who didn't. Of who was invited and who was left out to fend for themselves. So this morning, what if we just tried to, to reimagine this scene of the Last Supper? Now, it's true. At that Last Supper, there was likely only Jesus' 12 closest followers. But we also know that Jesus, he sat and he talked with everybody. So if you take a holistic view of who Jesus interacted with, you're going to find Mary. Mary, who, who stayed and sat at his feet Even when her sister Martha said, Mary, your place is in the kitchen with the other women. Jesus said, no, she's good here. Jesus sat down at a place called Jacob's Well, and he had a life-changing conversation with a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan of all people. The Samaritans were outcasts to the Jewish people. He would talk with the sick people. Like the crippled man whose friends lowered him down through the roof, interrupting Jesus while he's speaking. (laughs) He healed the leper that lived on the outskirts of town. He literally got his hands dirty as he spit and and made mud and put it on the eyes and healed the blind man. And actually, honestly, it gets even more intense than that because there was a demon-possessed man. I can't even imagine what this guy looked like or smelled like, right? He, He lived out in the land. He lived alone. He's homeless. He's totally insane. And you can kind of imagine, you can kind of picture him. Like His eyes might have been unnaturally colored, his speech a little erratic, He's the type of person that if you see him walking towards you down the road, you're going to step to the other side of the street and try to avoid him. You know what I'm talking about. But not Jesus. No, actually, Jesus stepped into his path. Jesus pursued him, actually sought him out and delivered him from the hell that he was living in. So now I want you to imagine, what if Jesus sought you out? What if he came after you? What if he invited you to dinner? I don't know what he would say. He might say something like, hey, come on over to my place. We'll grab some tacos, get some Topo Chico. Be a great day. And the next thing you know, there you are. You're at dinner, and you're actually sitting there next to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the alpha and the omega, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and you're just thinking, oh, God, I hope nothing gets stuck in my teeth. What would the picture of the Last Supper look like if Jesus invited some of us living in 2019 right here? invited us to the Last Supper. What would it look like if people in our modern context were sitting at the table? Well, I think one of the first people that you'd find at the table would be a kid. Jesus said that all of us should have a simple and believing faith, just like a child. So most people would look at her and probably write her off. Oh, she's too young to do anything of real value so far. But Jesus would look at her and he would see her immense value. I can imagine a young and zealous follower of Jesus. She's passionate. She's got a notepad out, and she's ready to jot down every parable that comes out of Jesus' mouth. She's got her iPhone out recording the wise words of Jesus. She's a passionate, fearless follower, and she's ready. I'm going to go with you, Jesus, to the very ends of the earth. But the night before, she had a setback. Something happened. And now she's wondering, did she even hear Jesus right? Maybe she was interpreting things this whole time. Maybe the best thing for her to do would be just to call it quits and just walk away from her calling. 
I can imagine a mom of little kids, you know. Like she, she had a successful career, but what she really wanted was a family that she could pour her life into. And so she cried tears of joy when they brought home their first daughter. And then she cried again when they, a year later when they brought home their, their son. But then, next thing you know, she's got three kids under five, and she has not had a good night's sleep in a year and a half. Anybody relate to that? She's at the table with Jesus, but she's just praying, God, don't let me fall asleep while Jesus is talking about the bread and the wine. At the table would be somebody who's consumed with money. She's just kind of wondering, how are we going to pay for all this food? This Passover meal, it's expensive, and we've got to feed 13 people. And Peter, Peter eats a lot. Or maybe she's just thinking, I wonder how we could make a little money off this. Ooh, like maybe we could put this first communion, we'll put it on Facebook Live. No, we'll get Google to sponsor it. Oh, we'll write a clickbait headline. People will follow. It'll be amazing. Of course, I think there would be a skeptic invited to the table. He'd be sitting there listening to the words of Jesus and just saying, this isn't real. You're not real. None of this is real. And it would take a profound miracle right here in front of my eyes for you to change my mind. On the far end of the table, honestly, barely in the picture, I bet you there'd be an addict. He promised himself that the last time, it was going to be the last time. But then this morning, it happened again. He did it again. And now, he can't even look at himself in the mirror, let alone stand to be in the presence of Jesus. And he's thinking, Jesus, you got the wrong person. I'm not the right one. And you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I was doing last night. And if you did, you would not want a person like me here. I think there'd be still others, you know, with very significant problems. I think you'd have somebody with crippling anxiety and depression. Somebody with cancer. Fighting a seemingly impossible physical battle. You'd have the guy whose marriage had fallen apart. He did the best he could but he couldn't salvage it. You'd have the single mom. She's just wondering, how am I going to make it through the week? I don't, I don't know if I can make it one more day. You'd have the teenager who feels like she's trapped, she's in the wrong body. And you'd have the guy who he had dreams of starting his own business one day, but he failed. And now he's just trapped under a, de- under, under a mountain of debt and fear. Like, just look at it for a second. It's a messy picture, isn't it? Like, it's a picture that to me kind of seems like it's just filled with darkness and sin and despair. So the idea of actually sitting and eating with Jesus, well, it seems kind of unimaginable, doesn't it? Like him, like Jesus, right there, actually there, in person, while we eat. And if he was, what would we be eating with Jesus anyway? I mean, you can imagine it. Here I am, looking and acting exactly like Jesus. I don't know why you're laughing. That wasn't supposed to be funny. Is it such a stretch that I would look and act like, yes, actually, it is. It is a bit of a stretch. I don't have the hair. I don't have the beard. I don't have the robe. Or just about everything else that you would picture with Jesus. But in other ways, it's not really that big of a stretch. Because actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian then this is where we're called to be. We are Jesus' representative here on the earth, sitting at this table with these people that we love in our lives. 
And if Jesus were actually physically here, the honest truth is, he'd just eat the same meals of common people. So that means in 2019 in Austin, there's going to be queso and guac. Maybe instead of multiplying the bread and the fish, Jesus would just make sure there's enough breakfast tacos for everybody. I want you to understand my point, everybody. Jesus just ate with people, and he ate common food of the day. It was just a sharing of ordinary food with ordinary people. Like, we think of the Last Supper as this serene moment, don't we? It's this serene moment where Jesus is sitting there, and there's a halo of light coming down on his head, and the disciples are there focused and clinging on every word. But the truth is, this Last Supper, it was a table full of people just like this group here. But when you really read the Gospels, actually what you see is turmoil for everybody at that table. Like actually, this was a group of misfits. These people were dropouts. They were rejects. You've got Matthew. He's the despised tax collector. You've got Thomas. He's the doubter. He's kind of the skeptic of the group. Jesus goes to Peter and says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter doesn't believe it. Peter says, oh, no, I never will. But in just a few short hours, he would deny Jesus. And not just once, but three times. The guy wasn't even brave enough to tell a young girl that he followed Jesus. You have John. He's the young and zealous disciple. He's sitting there. But think about what he must have felt when Jesus from the cross said, John, take care of my mother. John might have thought, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting for you to leave me. And now... Now I'm supposed to care for a widow? Like, th this is it? This is my future? This is my big calling? And then, of course, you have Judas. Judas. Who, actually, they all loved like a brother, and he's sitting there at the table, having already received the 30 pieces of silver as payment for betraying Jesus. And he feels such guilt and heaviness and weight over this betrayal. In fact, he would later beg the Pharisees and say to them, No, 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 you don't understand. I I've betrayed innocent blood. And the Pharisees would simply say, what is that to us? And of course, not long after that encounter, Judas, he would take his own life. Like I'm telling you, that first table, it was just full of messed up people. But listen, Jesus, he specifically invited those messed up people to be there at the table with him. He called them together to celebrate the Passover. But in the middle of that supper, Jesus shocked them all by borrowing a phrase from a Jewish betrothal ceremony when he took the cup and he said, this cup I offer to you. I love you. Will you be with me? See, offers of marriage were often made at tables just like this. The young man would come and dine with the family of his fiancée or his fiancée-to-be and he would take the cup and he would offer it to his potential bride and say, listen, I offer you my life. And if she accepted, she would take it and drink it offering her life in return. So at this table, Jesus is basically doing the exact same thing. I know, I get it. It's a little weird to all of us today, but for these followers, they understood exactly what he was offering, his life for theirs. So Jesus took the cup. He looked into the eyes of each one of those messy lives, and what he said was, I choose you. He chose them even if they hadn't chosen him. It was a remarkable moment and it's something actually that we memorialize and have for the past 2,000 years as we receive communion together. But then, but then it happened. And everything changed. 
what Jesus had been trying to tell his followers all along. Jesus was arrested, and he was crucified on a cross. I just can't imagine the doubts. What must have been going through their head as they're looking at Jesus on the cross? They're watching as first he's taken, he's arrested, and he's beaten with a whip that's embedded with metal shards, and beaten again and again until really his face, he's just, he's barely recognizable. Then his hands and his feet are nailed to the tree to die like a common criminal. And what were they thinking as they stood there and they watched Jesus be crucified? Listen, if you've experienced disappointment and hurt, these early followers of Jesus, they can identify with you. They get it. Because they had, they had given their entire lives to Jesus. But then they watched him and their dreams die on that cross. They stood and watched helplessly as he hung there, bloody and humiliated on that cross. But here's the thing that we have to understand. That's not the end of the story. Because Jesus came back. Three days later, the impossible became possible. What had been lost was now found. What had been held captive was now set free because Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And that right there was exactly what those disciples needed. They needed something else. Not just a good teacher. Not just someone to follow. They needed more. Those at that first table with Jesus. Those who followed him closely. They needed the resurrection. They needed a change and a transformation from the inside out. They needed the hope that only Jesus and the resurrection could bring. And it impacted their lives dramatically. You've got James. James goes on to start the church in Jerusalem. Peter becomes a founding father of the faith. And Jesus said, on this rock of Peter, I will build my church. He preached the first message after Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to follow Jesus on that day. Every disciple literally gave their life to share the gospel. The only surviving apostle is John, and John, who was exiled, even he, he wrote the book of Revelation from exile. What would cause all of these men to go to such great lengths? Well, they had witnessed a miracle. A man who was dead that they followed came back to life. And he had resurrection power for everybody. Jesus' resurrection, it changed everything for his closest followers at that table. And because of Jesus' resurrection, that new life, that new reality, that death-conquering transformation, it's possible for all of us. It's possible for you. Listen, I don't know what you walked in here with today. I don't know what you're carrying. But what I do know is, is that in the book of 2 Corinthians, in the scriptures, it says that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And that same power of God that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to you today to resurrect every dead place in you. You too can move from death to life. You understand, this is what Jesus did. He didn't just come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people come alive. And that's what he's doing for us today. That's what Easter is all about. New life is available for you today. And you receiving this new life, it just starts with you saying yes and coming to the table. You're welcome here at the table with all your mess, with all your junk, with all your stuff, with all your mistakes, with everything that someone else has done to you. You are welcome here. Jesus says you are welcome at this table.
for the person that's facing a mountain of debt, for the teenager who's struggling in their own body, for the parent that feels overwhelmed, for the guy that couldn't keep his marriage together, for the person that's battling sickness or disease, for people gripped by fear and anxiety, for the addicts, for the skeptic who just needs to know that God is real, for the person who's consumed by money, for the mom that just desperately wants a good night's sleep, for everybody who just feels like a failure, resurrection life is here for you this morning. I'm telling you, everybody, this table, it's so much more than history. It's so much more than art because Jesus makes the same offer to you. He says to you, I'll give you my life in exchange for yours. He invites you to his table. He invites you to come and drink from his cup. He looks at you and he says, I know all of the messiness of your life. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I was there last night, I saw. And with all the mess and with all the junk and with all the pain, and with everything that you've experienced, I know it all and I love you and I choose you. You're welcome at my table. Maybe today that's you. You're gripped by fear and anxiety, worry, doubt, depression. Maybe today you feel overwhelmed. I know. I had so many moments in my life where I felt like I wasn't going to be able to go another day. Maybe you feel like you're purposeless. I don't, I don't even know why I'm here. Does anybody even know or care? Maybe you feel today like you're, you're a failure. I just, I, I screw it up every time. I try and I fail. Maybe you feel like you've made a huge mess of things, but I, I'm here to tell you today that you are not without hope. That the resurrection of Jesus, it changed everything for you. It changed everything for me. It transformed me. It made me somebody new. He walks with me every single day. In fact, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in me. So even in my darkest day, I have immense hope because I know he's real. I know he lives on the inside of me. I know that death is not the end. I know that it couldn't keep him down. And if death can't keep him down, what's impossible for him? Nothing. It changed everything for us. All of us have experienced sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible tells us. And the Bible says that actually all of us, the wages of our sin, so what we earn, what sin brings is death. And I don't have to tell you that. You know that. You know it because you've experienced it. Where sin has brought death to your life, you felt it. Where sin has brought death to a relationship. Where sin has brought death to a family member. Where sin has brought death to the community that you're in. You, you felt it. You've seen it. And so Jesus said, you don't have to pay that penalty I will take all of that on myself. I will give my life. And through my death, you don't have to die. And so his death and his resurrection brings us eternal life in him. And now, Jesus, he just stands at the table and he says, I know your mess, I know who you are, but I love you and I choose you. And so today, all you have to do is just say yes to the invitation. Do you want the price that Jesus paid on the cross? Do you want resurrection life in every place in you? Do you want to see it in your family? Do you want to see it in your heart? 
you want to see it uh, with eternal life, living with Jesus, that doesn't just happen there one day, but happens right here, right now, this afternoon. All you got to do is say yes to the invitation. I want to come to the table. Listen, everybody, I believe that God's already reaching out to you. In fact, for many of you, he's been reaching out to you for a while. You've been running, trying to escape, and he's been knocking at the door of your heart. And today might be your day. Stop, turn around, and run into the arms of Jesus. If you would, would you just close your eyes for a second? I'm just going to pray for you. God, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you paid for all of us. And then in your death, we don't have to die. But you already paid the price. And now all we have to do is come to you, receive it, apply it to our lives. So God, across this room today, I ask that you would draw us to you. Those that are far, those that have been running, those that have said no, 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 no. Maybe today's the day. Thank you, God, that it's by your kindness that we are drawn to change our lives. It's not by your harshness. It's not by your rebuke. It's actually your kindness, your invitation that leads us to repentance, to a change of mind and heart. So all across this room today, we want to receive what you've given. And maybe that's you today. Maybe today is just the day. You've been running. It's time to stop. Today, maybe it's the time. You've heard about it since Sunday school, but you said no. Maybe today is the day for you to say, I want Jesus to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want resurrection life in me today. So if that's you, maybe it's the first time you've asked for that, or maybe it's the, the first time in a long time right there in your seat. I don't want you to get up. I don't want you to come down front. I'm not going to send you to another room. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Just you right there where you are, maybe just whisper a prayer to him and say, Jesus, that's me. Just go ahead right there. Jesus, that's me. I want to receive your gift of eternal life. I want the work of the cross to work in me. I want resurrection life in my life. I want to give my life to you. Just tell him, God, that's me. Yes, that's me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Draw us, woo us, call us. We say yes to you today. Thanks again for being here with us today at One Chapel. If God is doing something in your life, or if you're looking for ways to get connected, we are here to help. You can find everything you need for next steps at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages on your favorite podcast player, and you're always invited to church every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. Thanks for listening.